we're in a series right now called Keeping It Real. Someone say, Keeping It Real. And uh, if we're keeping it real, we should give honor to where honor is due because our pastor and, uh, and Miss Krista, my wife, have, they've done an incredible job in this series. Do you agree? I mean, the wisdom that the Lord has given us through this series has been so incredible. So far, we've talked about a few things. We talked about life is hard sometimes. Would you agree? We talked about God doesn't always make sense. Would you agree with that? We've talked about you reap what you sow. And we've talked about uh, God says no sometimes. I don't know about you, but I don't like to hear a no. And we, we've talked about the fact that everyone struggles. And, and if you've missed any of these weeks or you have a friend going through something really difficult, I want to encourage you to share this with them. We're on uh, Facebook and we're throwing stuff up on our YouTube channel now so you could get content from almost anywhere. Um, today in our series, we're going to finish it off and we're going to talk about the fact that I don't always feel thankful. Subtitle, sometimes I feel entitled. Let's pray. Lord, we love you. And we come to you today with open hands and with open hearts. And today as uh, we face something that is kind of embarrassing as humans sometimes, considering all that you have done for us. God, let us come to ourselves in grace and in humility and completely open to your Holy Spirit, illuminating your word and illuminating yourself in our life and all of the incredible spaces that you find yourself, which in fact is everywhere. In Jesus' awesome name, somebody shout amen. amen. It's a little cloudy out there, and um, I'm feeling a little down because just to let you know, the first like half, maybe even a little more of this message is slightly depressing, okay? And we got the clouds outside to go with it. And so, uh, you know, I'm going to need a little bit of help today, you know, to keep us all encouraged. So if you feel like saying, oh, yeah, or hmm, or man, that hurts, or anything, just say it, you know, go ahead and be free, elbow your neighbor. Um, today, it's okay to be like, he's talking about you. And so normally, it's not okay, but today, just anything we can get out of the message of encouragement, we're going we're gonna to go for it. Um, how many of you know that it's true if we're keeping it real? Sometimes we don't feel very thankful. And for some people, there can be days that we don't feel like that, or maybe weeks, or a month, or so, or maybe a season, long season. Have you ever been there before? And, and I hate to admit it, I've been there. And, um, and during those times, I find myself being a little entitled and truthfully, the older I get, the more entitled I feel. It's kind of crazy, you know? It's like sometimes the older generation makes so, you know, they, they're really hard on the younger generation and uh, how entitled they feel. But I, I'm just going to tell you that I think we all battle entitlement from time to time. And, and the sad truth is that entitlement is the exact opposite of thankfulness. And it looks, looks nothing like the life of Christ that we ought to be living. You know, entitlement is a sign that we are disillusioned. Um, when we're disillusioned and we're feeling entitled, um, we tend to be the hero and the victim of our own story. And I hate to admit it, but I can think of many situations in my life where I have been the hero and victim of my own story and my heroness and my victimness really justifies my actions, and it really affirms my self-righteousness. I know you would never do that. 
You guys are way too sweet. You guys are like much better Christians than I am. I know that you're not fighting with that, but just in case you might be a little bit, uh, maybe just one person in here, um, or probably not even here. They're probably listening online because they're not in church today. Of course, they feel entitled to their bed and their cup of coffee and blanket and their couch. I'm totally joking. Just kidding. Just having a little bit of fun today. Um, and here's what's really going on um, when we're entitled. We're, we're disillusioned into thinking that God owns us. God owns, owes us. Yeah. And he owes us. That's what entitlement really is. God, you owe me. And we might be thinking, you know, well, we're, we're, the world owes me and, and they own me. Yeah, but God created the world and he put that person in your life. And so at the end of the day, when we're feeling entitled, it's really that we're upset at God because he owes us. How do we know if we're feeling entitled? How do we know if we're disillusioned? Just listen to your self-talk. Just listen. Listen to how you think and just listen. Here, here's what it sounds like when, when uh, we're entitled. The hero in us says things like, I gave my life to you, Lord, and this is what I get. Says stuff like, I, I have always said yes, and I've read my Bible, and I have prayed, and I've given my best. I've always been a giver. I, I never have. I've been faithful. When I look around, I work just as harder, harder than anybody around me. That's what the hero says. The, the victim says this. The victim sounds like this. No one appreciates what I've done. The victim says, no one recognizes what I have accomplished. The victim says, no one remembers all that I sacrificed for them. The victim says, everyone treats me. Do you see the disillusionment? Do you see the big blanket statements that we cast out as if we've just been doing it right our whole life and we've just never had a fall? And that, that's what is so... Um, that's why we're disillusioned, because how many know as humans, we don't have it right all the time. We get it wrong a lot. What would happen in these moments of disillusion if we just pause and stop for a minute and said, Lord, what do my feelings and thoughts about this situation teach me about me? I'm the hero. I'm the victim. What are my thoughts and feelings teaching me about me? And again, I've, I've been here a lot. And how do I know to say these things? <laughs> because I've said them many times myself. That's how I know to write these in the sermon. <laughs> I, I wish I could say I've seen all these people. And sure, I've seen them. But I've been these people. Yeah. Yeah. Just public confessions here. <laughs> One of my favorite quotes is on a sticky note on my computer. Actually, it was on for a really long time. Just, and then it got really old, and then it started falling off, and then I was like battling the sticky note. And it's like, sucker, you're going to stay on this monitor. Every time you fall off, I'm going to pick you back up and put you back on. <laughs> and finally, it fell off, and then I was writing my sermon, and I was like, on my monitor is a sticky note. And I looked up, and there was no sticky note. I had thrown it away. I've given up on the sticky note. So then I wrote a new one and put it on there so that I could be honest and truthful about this. <laughs> Next statement. <laughs> One of my favorite quotes is from Francis of Assisi, and he says, he who expects nothing is thankful for everything. 
He who expects nothing is thankful for everything. We're going to take a look at the life of Jeremiah. And I don't know if you know anything about Jeremiah, but um, he is called the weeping prophet. His life is pretty miserable. That's why I told you it's going to be kind of depressing in here. And, and I wonder if Jeremiah, as we look at his life, if, if he considers himself, if he's entitled or if he finds himself being thankful. And before we get into a couple things, um, I think it's important to know a few things about his life. Um, Jeremiah, he was a prophet during the divided kingdom uh, in the Old Testament. Testament. We see this in Kings and, and is a terrible era in time. Uh, a prophet's role is to speak on behalf of God to a people. And uh, during this time, um, it was a really popular time in the kingdom of God, right, right before Jeremiah came. And uh, the kingdom of God had risen to incredible political power. They were extremely strong and rich in every battle they walked into. They were winning. I mean, the kingdom of God was doing really good. The Israelites, they were handling business. And, and underneath King David's son, Solomon, they were just at their absolute height. And um, somebody say, but. There was no division in the family, but the family of God couldn't seem how to get along very well. Does this sound familiar? And the kingdom split into two, and, and they were divided. And perhaps this may be like the very first church split in, in all of uh, biblical history. But here we find Jeremiah being called into this generation, this broken, this broken kingdom of God split into you. And, and here's Jeremiah born here. And, and scholars say that um, over that next period of time, a little over 400 years, that it was one of the most miserable times and darkest times of church history as we take a look at this. In Jeremiah 5, Jeremiah describes what the people of Judah are like that he's called to prophesy to. It says they're full of deceit. They're rich, powerful. They seek justice, or they don't seek justice. They don't defend the fatherless. Their evil deeds have no limits. They don't defend the poor. I mean, how would you like to be called into a generation like that? Jeremiah was called to preach to unthankful Blind people who have turned their back on God, an, an entire, entire region of people. And, and I don't know about you, but um, if God tried to call somebody from our generation to do a task like that, I, I, think, I think it would be kind of hard because today's pastors and prophets, we're used to a lot of affirmation. We get good amens from you. And, and, and we get affirmations and trophies and awards and, and pastors appreciating offerings and, and, I, and, and you, get your, you get your stuff too. But Jeremiah didn't get any. And I don't know if there's a whole lot of people that are cut out for Jeremiah's call. In fact, he has an entire book called the Book of Lamentations. And he is weeping and crying out uh, for God's people and what he's seeing them face and I think when Thanksgiving came around that Jeremiah probably had a hard time being thankful. That's why we're going to be looking at this book today. So um, hang on, a little depressing. As we look at the life of Jeremiah, I don't know about your life, but at his life, what are some possible reasons that maybe he could have been entitled rather than thankful? Well, first in your notes, Jeremiah experienced a life of lack. He lacked a lot of stuff. He was born into an era that was really bad. He had a bad, and he had a life of lack. How do we know that? Well, first we see in his life that he lacked listeners. Jeremiah 13, 17, 
And by the way, I encourage you to go read. If I, if I say Jeremiah 13, 17, go, go read the whole chapter because there's just so much in there and it's hard to really snag a little piece and read it on the screen and get you to fully understand it. But he lacked listeners. And in Jeremiah 13, 17, um, we see a warning to the people. Jeremiah, Scripture saying to them, it says, if you don't listen, people, I will weep in secret because of your pride. My eyes will weep bitterly, overflowing with tears, because when you don't and if you don't listen, the Lord's flock will be taken captive. Well, if you continue to read in the story, we know that in fact they were taken captive because in fact they did not listen. Can you imagine nobody listening to you, heeding your warnings, heeding your instructions? I mean, whatever they are, no one, no one to listen to you. Can you imagine being a solo believer? That was Jeremiah. No one shared his ideas about God with him. No one shared his ideas about morality, about needing to be obedient to the law. No one shared his ideas about how relationships should function. No one shared his ideas about politics. I mean, can you imagine having no one to share these things with? I mean, you thought you had it bad? I mean, Jeremiah had no one. He was a solo minister to that area. I mean, I could call several people right now that are ministers in my area if I need a little bit of encouragement. Jeremiah couldn't do it. 40 years of preaching, scriptures say, scholars say, no preacher buddy to call when no one came to his outreaches. (laughs) No one ever said, good word, Jeremiah. Good amen. You're preaching good. Nobody pulled their phone out and was like, I got to get this on a reel. (laughs) No one came up to him after he was done prophesying and said, Jeremiah, God really spoke to me. Thank you. Can you see any reason for Jeremiah to be very thankful? Next, we see Jeremiah. He lacked listeners, or he lacked listeners, but he also lacked results in your notes. He lacked results. We see in the final portion of Jeremiah 17 that the people were eventually carried away, and, and that lets us know no one listened to him. He had no results. 40 years of ministry and no results? I mean, can you imagine? We thought we had it bad. I'm here to bring you some depressing news. Jeremiah had it really bad. There was nothing in his ministry to brag about. He wouldn't have made it on Outreach Magazine or uh, Judah's Magazine of top most successful prophets. That wasn't Jeremiah. He, he, never got, he never did so good that God was like, I have to give you a promotion, Jeremiah. Like, I'm moving you up. No, he just, 40 years, same job, same message, no results. Can you imagine that? No next steps, no salvations, no baptisms. Nobody went to Discipleship Track 101 or 201. And I guarantee you, he never received a a prophet's appreciation offering. No one ever tweeted him or quoted him. He had a life of lack. In fact, Jeremiah was so low at times because life was so hard on him. He would cry out things like this. Lord, why was I ever born to see trouble and sorrow and spend my days in shame? I mean, he was emotionally 
all over the map. And I, and I, and I just, I, I wonder, Jeremiah, were you ever thankful? I mean, I think I would have a hard time to ever be thankful if I was in your shoes. But a question for us to ponder, how about you? Have you ever been there before? I mean, obviously not in the extremes as Jeremiah, because we can look around our life and we can know straight up, we didn't have it that bad and we don't have it that bad. But nevertheless, have you been there? Have you ever felt like you lacked people to listen to you and empathize with you and share the burdens of your hearts with you? Have you ever looked around your life and thought, man, I sure am lacking some results? I sure thought by now that probably I would have graduated, that I would be in my working career field of choice, that I would be making a livable wage by now. I mean, surely, God. Maybe, maybe it's God, I should be married by now. I should have better results than this. Or God, we should, find, we should have kids by now. Or maybe grandkids by now. When we look at the life of Jeremiah, we know that Jeremiah was, he was obedient to his call. And this is kind of a side note, a little off topic. But regardless of who listened to Jeremiah, and regardless of how many people ever responded to his message, which we know it was no one, Jeremiah had one task, he had one job, and it was to obey. It was it. Just obey. And it's worth noting here that obedience is success in the eyes of God. And sometimes what God calls you to do might not feel very successful, but it is very purposeful in the kingdom. And if we're really honest, some things that we blame on God are just the fruit of our own choices. We look around our life and we, we want to, <laughs> it's the fruit of our own choices. But here's the caution that we have. We must be careful when expecting that obedience to God's call will equal personal fulfillment. Ah, <sighs> Sorry. Sorry. I mean, we sure, see, we sure don't see a life of abundance when we look at Jeremiah's life, do we? But entitlement would tell us, God, I did all this. You should at least fulfill me. You should do some stuff for me. But it's no guarantee that following God and being obedient to him will produce a great Instagram highlight reel. But would... Just being obedient to God be enough for you and I? Probably not. <laughs> Probably not. Here's a question for us today. Is knowing that you're obedient to God enough for you, even if it doesn't produce hearts and likes and follows? Jeremiah knew a couple things. He knew that it was his job to obey, but it was God's job to produce results. He couldn't do that. It wasn't something he could do. It wasn't something that he could control. You can't control the results of life around you. It wasn't something that he was responsible for. He wasn't responsible for the results. He was just responsible to obey. You're not responsible for the results of the lives of the people around you. You're responsible for doing your part and obeying. So Jeremiah, he had to learn how to get rid of his God complex and his hero complex and just set down his cape, as a dear friend asked me to do one time, 
and just let go of the outcome. We're noticing some reasons Jeremiah could have been entitled, and instead of, instead of being thankful, we also notice that Jeremiah experienced a life of loneliness, a life of loneliness. Scripture says in uh, chapter 16, 1 through 2, that Jeremiah had no family. He had no family. We see this. It says, the word of the Lord came to me, Jeremiah says, don't get married or have sons and daughters in this place. Jeremiah said, okay. God asked him to not marry, to not have kids. And, and we know that from, from hindsight, hindsight 2020, we know that hindsight, God was rescuing Jeremiah from further pain, from watching perhaps his sons and daughters and his wife be carried away into Babylonian captivity, perhaps maybe watching his sons and wife, his sons and daughters and wife fall prey to the sin of the culture. A question to ponder, how about you? How would you respond if God requested something like this from you? Many historians think that Jeremiah was somewhere in his mid-teens to mid-twenties when he was called. And I got to admit, if I was in my mid-teens and mid-twenties and God called me to this, I would have been like, all right, Lord, we need to work out a deal here because this is pretty big calling. Like I'm smart enough. I can look around. I see how messed up these people are. And I've seen what you do with your previous prophets and what you're about to ask me to do is not going to be very pleasant for the ears of these people. So at least I'm a young man, Lord. I've been praying my whole life. At least let me have a wife. I mean, at least let me marry and have kids. I mean, you know, Lord, I've been dreaming about that forever. And you know, Lord, that I can't wait to make babies. And you're asking me to be single? You guys are supposed to laugh a lot. lot. I like imagine like a rumble across the crowd right there in that moment. When next we see Jeremiah, he had no family, but he also had no friends. We see this in chapter 20. We see Jeremiah lamenting around verse 10. He's saying that, that all of my friends, they're scheming against me. They're all plotting my failure and they just can't wait and they're, they're watching for it. It's hard to know from the text, like, were these people, like, really Jeremiah's friends? Because, you know, like, when you're desperate for friends, you're, like, picking up the worst scum on the planet. You're, like, they're, like, not really your friends. But you're, like, so desperate for friends. You're, like, I'll take them. Like, was it those kind of friends or was it the kind of friends that, like, they were close to me and we were cool. But as soon as I started prophesying and all of a sudden my reputation started to change and you're, like, okay, Jeremiah's a little weird he don't want to be associated with that guy. And, and then suddenly they just start fitting in with the crowd and they start shouting with the crowd and they start wanting his death and his destruction and his beat down. Was it those kind of people? I'm not quite sure. But how would you feel? Either way, we can look at the scripture and know he had no faithful friends. Today, we're talking about keeping it real. I don't always feel thankful. Subtitle, sometimes I feel entitled. Let's take a look at um, Jeremiah's life and and um, notice some spaces in his world. And they were, let's just be honest. I, like, I wish I can embellish on this part, but I really can't. Because like the, the spaces where he even showed a glimpse of thankfulness, it's like really small. But we're going to really lean into them like they're really big. But they're actually really, really small. It's hard to find. It's hard to find it. So um, here we go. We're looking at the life of Jeremiah. And one of the things that we notice about Jeremiah, we can see that 
he had to have found a reason to be thankful because as we look at his life, we know that he was aware of some things. And, and we notice uh, in Jeremiah 9, and chapter 9, verse 1, we notice that he didn't weep alone. He may have physically been alone, no family, no friends, no one to, no one to, to, to lean on and, and cry on. But, but scripture says in, in, uh, in chapter nine and verse one, it's God saying this with Jeremiah, if only my head were a well of water and my eyes were wells of tear, that I might cry all day and night for my people, for those who have been killed. I will weep for the mountains and will for the wilderness pastures. I mean, this is really poetic, but think about it. Like when you move into a desolate land, it's, it's desolate. There's no cows there because there's no people there. There's no animals running around because there's no food there. It's a desolate land. And God didn't create this beautiful earth to be a desolate land. He created it to be full of life and to be abundant. And God is weeping here with Jeremiah. And although from an earthly perspective, Jeremiah may have looked alone, but from a heavenly perspective, he was not alone at all because the Lord was weeping with Jeremiah. And here's the word of the Lord for you. You are not alone at all. When you weep in your room over your life and over the condition of God's world and the pain and suffering that you experience, you don't weep alone. You're not by yourself. You know, this last week, Ellie and I were reading, we're reading through the New Testament. Uh, we wouldn't, probably wouldn't be doing it this intently uh, if it wasn't for girls' ministry. So thank you, Miss Trina and all the incredible teachers. One of her requirements this year is to read through the New Testament. So we're like, we're in Matthew 25. Like if you like are a Bible person, you know, Matthew, Matthew 25 is not a fun chapter. Okay. It's like, it's about the end of the world. It's about the destruction of the world. It's about what happens to people who don't give their heart and life to Jesus. And we're reading it. And I look at Ellie and I'm like, Ellie, are you, do you, do you understand what all this is? She's like, well, kind of, but I don't know. It's kind of really weird. And I'm like, yes, you're right. It is kind of really weird, but let's like talk through a couple of these verses together. And so we talked through a few of them. And Ellie's eye, I don't like doing this with her because she's really sensitive. If you know her, her eyes well up with tears and she starts crying. And she comes over and like sits on my lap and she's like, Daddy, I don't want anyone to go to hell. And I, as I was writing this and thinking about this, I felt the Lord say to me, I still weep for my people, do you? I still weep for what's going to happen in their future. And that's why Jeremiah was the weeping prophet, because he had the heart of the Lord. And that's why he was so committed to this message, because he did not want to see anybody go to hell. What's some wisdom from this weeping prophet? Wisdom is this, that thankfulness is found in his presence. We see that Jeremiah was constantly in the presence of the Lord as, as the father just constantly spoke to him. And you just conversation after conversation after conversation. And I can only imagine that Jeremiah was addicted to the presence of the Lord because when he was out prophesying, it was awful. It was terrible. He got whipped and beaten and people were just, they hated him. But when he got in the presence of the Lord, he was renewed and his heart was renewed for God's passion for the people. And he had to have been thankful for that relief and that, 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 that burden that was lifted because finally somebody wept with him. They listened with him and the father shared his burdens with Jeremiah and Jeremiah shared his burdens with the father. I told you it was like this like tiny moment. We had to dig really deep to find that one. 
The next thing uh, that we see in this scripture is that um, not only did Jeremiah not weep alone, but Jeremiah knew some things because I think it was pretty sure here that Jeremiah, he did not wonder about his salvation. We see in Jeremiah chapter 20, by the way, he's like all over the map. He's like, when you talk about an emotional roller coaster, you think your friend's on an emotional roller coaster? Come read Jeremiah chapter 20 and you will see. One minute, Jeremiah is calling the Lord a liar. Like before he was even called, like the Lord was like, Jeremiah, I'm going to call you, but I want you to know something. Like I formed you in your mother's womb and I put destiny in you and, and you're going to do great things. And he's like looking at his life, looking at around him and go, you call this great things, Lord, you liar. Like I'm like kind of joking, but that's what he was doing. Like, you're a liar. This what you told me that I was going to do. It looks nothing like I thought. And the next moment, he's boldly prophesying and, and, and declaring the, the faithfulness of God to these like corrupt people that are so wicked. He's like, even though you're corrupt and wicked, if you turn back to God, he will be gracious to you and he will be kind to you and he will rescue you. But if you don't, and so he's like all over the place. And then just a few verses later, he's lamenting again because he's like, Lord, I told them all this again, and, and they're laughing at me all day long, and I'm getting tired of it. And then another verse later, in, in verse 13, he's saying, shout a praise to the Lord, and thank God that you listened to me. And then after he shouts that, then, then we see him again, and, and, and on the roller coaster, and, and he, he just finds himself all over the place. But it's amazing to me that in the middle of his emotional roller coaster and turmoil, verse 13, he finds a way to say, sing to the Lord. Praise the Lord. For he has taken the soul of the one, he's speaking of himself, from the hands of the sinful. He has rescued me from the hands of the people who want to destroy me. He is my rescuer. He is my deliverer. He is my hope. He is my salvation. And he has done it. Only to a few verses later, he was cursing his life and wanted to die. <clears throat> but, um, but this is Jeremiah. Here's some wisdom from the weeping prophet. The wisdom is this. Thankfulness is the way to hope in hard times. <laughs> Thankfulness is the way to hope in hard times. If you can't think of any reason on earth, just look at some eternal reasons and, and, and get some hope. Have you paused lately to slow your life down like Jeremiah, just in the midst of the craziness, to say, Lord, thank you for rescuing me, for saving me, for delivering me? As we close today, we're talking about, I don't always feel thankful. Sometimes I feel entitled. Our takeaway is this. Not feeling thankful doesn't mean there's not a reason to be thankful. Just because we don't see it and we don't feel it in the natural doesn't mean that in the supernatural that there are not a thousand reasons to say thank you 